This is The Power Profile, stories of world-class leadership, hosted by award-winning broadcast journalist and media entrepreneur, Christina Mendonza. Get ready to connect with those defining success. This is The Power Profile, where we look at power in all forms of our personal and professional lives and talk to people who've leveraged power in their own lives. Today, we're talking about powerful performance mindset and the woman who helps professional athletes and industry leaders as a mental performance coach. She's worked with the Yankees and with the FBI, various college teams, and CEOs in all kinds of industries. She is the keynote speaker at the upcoming HER conference in Folsom, which I'm excited to be emceeing this year again. For those attending, this will be a fun preview. And for those out of the area, this interview will be an informative peek at what it takes to develop and maintain a mentally strong mindset for whatever you're doing in your life. Her name is Lauren Johnson, and she'll join us shortly. Now, one of the equations Lauren uses to explain how mindset impacts everything in our lives is how we self-identify. The equation she uses is identity equals beliefs plus actions. What we believe about ourselves and the actions we take in support of those beliefs, good or bad, impacts our lives tremendously. If you believe you're bad at talking in front of people, your actions may support that. You don't try to do speeches or presentations. If you believe you're good at managing your time, your actions will support that. You'll make every effort to be more productive or to be on time for everything because you believe that's who you are. These beliefs are not hardwired, but they often come from early experiences. The teacher who told you, oh, you struggle with writing, or the parent who told you, you were just born under a lucky star. We internalize a lot of that. And if we allow our actions to support those early beliefs, they manifest in our lives and become our identity. They are also changeable. And this is where Lauren comes in. This is what she helps people do. She helps high performers get the most from their mindset to complement their skills and abilities. Let's dive right in with Lauren Johnson. Lauren Johnson joins me now. Thank you so much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Uh, You know, I want us to start off by asking you, uh, you have such an experience and such a variety of different things from athletics to um, all of your graduate work and now with mental performance. How did you get interested initially in working with people on their mental performance? Was this an exploration of your own mindset as an athlete, your graduate work? What got you interested? That is a great question. Um, yeah, I, I uh, honestly, I got into it because I was the athlete that needed it. Um, I constantly beat up on myself, got in my own way. I set these standards that not even I could reach. And I, I thought that this is just what I had to work with. And then I ended up, um, I got injured my senior year of college. I played soccer and I decided to take an elective course Um, just to fill the time. And I took a course in sports psychology and fell completely in love with it. And I had this kind of like aha moment where I went, who would I have been if I would have known these things? And then I thought, how many people can I help now that I do? And that's what really launched, you know, me, you know, diving into this field. So you've worked with professional athletes and high performers and lots of different industries. And we assume when we look at someone who's a professional athlete that they already have mindset locked in, that this is something that got them to where they are. Um, 
how, how, where do you, do you start at a different place when you work with a professional athlete? No. Um, you know, we all have, we, we all have, you know, a brain, we all have a psychology that, and psychological patterns that, um, either are things that are very unique to us, um, or are, are things that, you know, I, I see in a lot of ways in, in a lot of different domains, I should say. And so, um, yes, maybe specifically why something is the way that it is might be specific to a certain athlete or a certain individual, but to be honest, um, a lot of the things that professional athletes deal with is no different than the average person, you know, maybe the circumstances change or the reasons why they might feel that way changes, but you know, we're all human. And so really I try to teach people regardless if they're an athlete, a businessman, man or woman, um, and or otherwise, I try to teach them how to leverage their psychology so that they can achieve consistent performance over time. Hmm. We know that you did the uh, mental conditioning. Um, you coordinated that for the New York Yankees. What lessons did you learn about mental toughness and performance that you apply now in other industries to other elite performers? Yeah, um, I, I have this like very strong belief and I actually kind of it, it kind of, I guess, revealed itself when I was at the Yankees. I actually walked into a locker room and we had all of our coaching staff there and a coaching staff ranging from, you know, the big leagues all the way down to our, um, you know, lowest minor league team. And there were all different sorts of coaches, whether it was our pitching coaches, our hitting coaches, you know, our trainers, you know, we had everybody in the room. And one of our coaches came up to me and he's like, Lauren, mindset is everything, Right. And it kind of like hit me and I was like, okay, I, I knew, I knew his intention of what he was saying. Right. I understood that, but I was like, it, it wasn't entirely true because if mindset was everything, why am I not in the big leagues? <laughs> like I teach this <laughs> stuff, you know? And so what I realized that what he meant was mindset is not everything, but it impacts everything. And so when it doesn't matter who I'm coaching or what level I'm coaching at, I try to help them to distinguish the role that you play as an individual and your individual skills and the things you bring to the table. That right there is unique and in itself. And then when we pair that with some of these tools from a mental perspective, man, it's incredible what can happen when we, we marry those two things together. But it does not happen without you and the specific and incredible and unique things that you bring to the table. I've heard you use the equation, your identity equals beliefs plus actions. Uh, and, and that makes so much sense because so much of what we believe is going to shape whatever we do. And you told a story in one of these podcasts about an athlete that you worked with that had been told something when he was very young that carried through all the way to his professional career and, and was limiting him and you were able to discover it. Yeah. Um, yeah, we had a, we, I had an athlete who, you know, was, he was, he was really quiet and I was, you know, one of the things I really take pride in is knowing my athletes, you know, on a, you know, very like individual level. And, you know, I'm in the dugout with one of our minor league teams and, um, and I'm asking him questions and he's just like really, really short with me. And then, I, I, I thought to myself, like, shoot, did I say something? Like, is there something that I did? Because it was just, an un, it, it was not a very uh, common interaction that I've typically had. And so finally, like, I straight up just asked him, like, you know, 
hey, like, did I say something? I just want to make sure, you know, I know I'm not for everyone, so I don't want you to feel like you have to talk to me, but man, I just want to make sure I didn't say anything to upset you. And what we revealed in that is we sat down and had a conversation about it was that it actually had nothing to do with me. And it had everything to do with something his teacher told him when he was in elementary school. And he goes, Lauren, I'm not very good at speaking. And I asked him, I said, who told you that? And that's when we revealed who it was. And he, and it traced all the way back to elementary school when he struggled to read out loud. And that's when I kind of came up with this formula is this idea of like our identity equals our beliefs plus actions. His belief was that he wasn't good at speaking and the actions that supported it was he would tr try not to speak. He would answer in one word sentences and he would try to just, you know, the, you know, fade in the background in group meetings. And the cool thing about that is that we can actually rework that formula to our benefit. If you actually just exchange belief and identity, your belief equals your identity, meaning who it is that you want to be. We can discuss, we can decide that. And for him, he wanted to be somebody who could have conversations. And they said, great, then what actions do we have to do to support that? Huh. Because as you start to provide your brain evidence, your identity will begin to follow. You know, it's funny. Um, when I heard you tell this story the first time, I I thought immediately of my husband. He's a sixth grade teacher, teaches middle school. And one of the things he does a lot with his students is he'll have students come in and maybe they have a, a learning disability or they have a, like Crohn's disease or an illness or something like that. And he tells me how he, how he convinces these students that this is actually a superpower, mm -hmm. that this is their superpower and how he sees their performance change in the classroom and how their parents see their performance change in the classroom. You know, and I just want to ask you, as someone who studies this and works with so many people, how do we help build mental strength and performance in our children, in our young people that we're mentoring, even, you know, people that we work with who are our direct reports? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that, that's a, I could, I could speak to you about that for hours. And, but I think that uh, I can sum it up with this study that I find to be just really fascinating. And it's, um, it's called the milkshake study. And it's, it was done at Stanford University, and essentially what they did is they made these milkshakes, and they were all the same milkshake, but they provided two different labels on these milkshakes. So they had one group drink a milkshake that had a label that said essentially it was like a, a, a indulgence shake. So it was like a it, like you know chocolatey, like very indulgent. And essentially what they found is their body's hunger hormone it actually spiked, so it made them feel fuller fuller longer. And then the other half, they actually gave a different label that was like a sensi shake. It was like, it was labeled and marketed as like this very healthy shake, but again, no different than the other one. And what they found is people that drank that, their hunger hormone dropped at a threefold rate, causing them to be essentially, they get hungrier faster. And so what this proves is that mindset is not secondary to performance, but it's a primary driver of it. Hmm. And so when we think of it in that way, we can think what kind of mindset, perspective, viewpoint can we take or focus on or help others focus on to put ourselves in the best position for performance, meaning is this productive or is this unproductive? Because a lot of times we'll be like, well, this is right. Okay, that might be right, but is it productive? If the answer is no, then what can we do to make it productive? So for instance, if something happens and you're not getting playing time on the field, 
that is completely outside of our control. Yeah, it sucks. You want playing time. You want to be in. But the question becomes, is sitting there and being upset that you're not getting playing time actually productive? And the answer is no. So then the question becomes, what can we focus on to create that time that we're not in to be more productive? And so there are things that we can focus on, like, hey, how can you focus on being a good teammate? How can you focus on helping other people? How can you, how can maybe you learn something by observing and watching? So then when you do get your time, even if it's two minutes, you make those the best freaking two minutes you've ever played. Hmm. And so when we can change the way that we look at things, the things that we look at begin to change. Very interesting. Hmm. You, you mentioned how you really get to know your players and your clients um, and you Q&A them quite a bit, having these conversations. Can you share your process for assessing someone's current mental performance and identifying those areas of improvement? How do you assess someone? Yeah, so it's, it's a little bit different for every person, but um, I, I always like to start with, um, with why. Like, why, why did you reach out to me in the first place? There's mm -hmm. usually a, a, a reason, whether it's, hey, I want to improve um, you know, I, I'm having the best year of my life, but I, I don't want that to end. I want to continue to improve and push myself. Great. There's also in more common is people will come to me because they have some sort of problem. Um, and so what I want to do is I want to explore that reason why, and then I want to explore where we want to go because, you know, it, if we don't have a direction, any direction will do. And you'll find that you'll fall into directions of other people, of your parents, of your boss, of your, you know, of your, you know, best friend. And it's, you end up following a direction that's not really yours. So I really want to understand, um, you know, first why, because that will really direct us to a couple places usually. And then what, like, what is it that we're after? And then how, like, how do we close the gap between those things? And so those are kind of some of the ways that I will begin. But a lot of times what we're addressing is we're addressing these limiting factors. They're the things that are stopping us or that have limited us from getting, making progress or getting to where we want to go. And I'll find a lot of those things really fall into our, you know, the mental game, whether it's, hey, I'm lacking confidence or I'm really afraid, like I'm experiencing a lot of fear around, um, around this thing. What if I don't make it? What if um, I'm not as good as I think I am? Or what if I get judged by my peers? Um, what if I don't get that job? What if I can't do it? What if I fail? Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times we're addressing these things that become very limiting factors. Um, and it's not always necessarily fear-based or negative. It could be actually success is the thing holding them back. You know, they're so successful that they're comfortable and they've become complacent and they failed to innovate and um, evolve with, with time. And so there's a lot of things that we could address, but one of the main things that I look at, because I think it's so true, is that the problem that's presented is rarely the problem. Mm. It's often our relationship to the problem. So fear is not the problem. Our relationship with fear is the problem. Um, adversity is not the problem. Our relationship with adversity is the problem. And so a lot of times uh, what ends up happening is we end up working on our relationship with difficult because you're not going to change it. You're not going to change the fact that you're going to deal with difficult and struggle and adversity and failure. That's life. But if we can, if we can reduce the gap or the impact that those things make in our lives, you'd be amazed at how much more progress we begin to see. 
Wow. Okay. So let's talk about myths and misconceptions about what you do. Uh, is there something about mental performance, a myth about mental performance that you encounter a lot from clients or from, you know, people that hire you to work with clients and, and how do you address that? Mm. Yeah, there's, there's quite a few. I think that one that stands out to me is um, the idea that uh, positivity is the answer and negativity is the problem. Um, it's, yeah. I, I like to think of positive and negative, I actually like to use different words. I like to use productive and unproductive mm -hmm. because not all positivity is productive. Like just like, you know, slapping perfume on a bad smell, like doesn't suddenly make it go <laughs> yeah. away. Right. And so like pretending or, or having this like false sense of happiness or excitement when really like you're miserable. I don't know about you, but I've never been able to BS my way out of like a negative feeling. Right. And so to me, that's very unproductive, but your ability to find the good and the bad or to focus on what you can control in a tough situation, that is productive. And sure, you might be able to classify that as, you know, a, a type of positivity. Um, but then on the flip side, like negativity isn't always a problem. Like, yeah, don't get me wrong. Being negative just to be negative is not productive, but being able to look at um, the negative aspects of your situation could be very productive. It's like when you're driving on a freeway and you see a road closure sign, you're, that's a really productive thing to know so that you can reroute yourself versus ignoring it. And then just you hit it and you're like, Oh, what is this? You know? So not all negativity is unproductive and not all positivity is productive. So it's just important to understand where those two things lie. And it could be different for you than for somebody else. So one person may think, you know what, being a little hard on themselves is actually productive in some ways. And for others, it could be very counterproductive. So right. um, one of the things is we try to look at things from a very realistic perspective, um, because to me, that creates more sustainability. Yeah. Well, and people like to be coached differently. You're right about that. Right. I mean, some people love their coaches to drive them really hard and other people like their coaches to be, you know, to more finesse, to fine tune, um, rather than drive them so hard. Um, you know, I want to ask this, uh, is it difficult being a woman in a lot of male dominated high performance industries? Do you feel like they connect with you? Does it take you anything extra to connect with, uh, a lot of these men or is it no different coaching men or women who are high performers? Mm -hmm. Great question. Um, there's definitely a difference. Um, I, I don't think it's necessarily more difficult in one or the other. I just think it's different. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's just like you're, you just have to understand the differences and be able to adjust within them. Um, I have had, uh, I was one of the first females ever hired in, um, performance development in, uh, baseball. Sorry, not baseball. I apologize. Um, in uh, for the Yankees. Okay. So in player development. So I one of the first women to work with our players and our staff. And um, I have to say, I think I was very, very lucky to be in the group of men that I was because I couldn't have been more supported um, by a, a group of men nice. than than I was. And then by the end of it, by the end of my time there, there was like eight or nine women and we, and they just built us a woman's locker room, which was like unheard <laughs> of. So it was amazing. Nice. So I have to say I was very, very lucky in that, in that way. Um, I know some people have had more difficulties than I have, but I also find 
find myself to be very lucky. Um, and with, with women, it's, you know, I don't know, because I am one, maybe it's easier for me to adjust without having to really think too much about it. Um, but they just, they both come with their challenges. You know, there are things that men are really motivated by generally, uh, generally speaking more than women. And so it's kind of like, I always talk about this with theory, like theory and psychology is great, but not everyone fits into one. Right. So you ha- like, this isn't like life is not a case study. It's not a scientific study where we have like, you know, very like standardized groups. And so you have to be willing to work within that. And so I think that is the exact same and it's no different when it comes to gender. I am curious though, generally, generally speaking, how um, are men more motivated toward performance than, you know, what motivates women toward performance? Are there general differences between the sexes that um, are interesting or, or things that you take note of as you're, as you're, you know, analyzing or uh, assessing a new client? Yeah, I would say that one of the things that uh, it, it all, this all depends on relationships, by the way, because I think that you can't say or do certain things effectively if a relationship does not already exist. So for me, I, I what I've known is the men that I have really good relationships with, like you can challenge them and they like to be challenged. They like to be almost like, you know, challenged almost in the way of an underdog. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is like a really good thing. Like you can be really, really hard on them and they love it. Now I know a lot of women who are like that as well, but it is so relationship dependent. And, uh, what I found with a lot of women, it's more so like that empowering piece and the belief part that is really, really important to women. Um, I know it's really important to me so I can speak to that myself. Um, so when they feel like they have somebody that believes in them, um, first and foremost, and you have that relationship, then anything on top of that in terms of challenge and all that becomes a lot uh, more effective in my opinion. Interesting. Okay. So we know you're going to be at the Her Women's Conference this year. You are the keynote and we're happy to have you. So as you address this group of women, some of them are business owners, some entrepreneurs, all levels of career and life. What are some of the core concepts that you'll be discussing? Yeah. So we're going to dive a little bit into change. Um, not only perspective, but really change and confidence, because I know that confidence, it doesn't, that is not gender specific and it is not level specific. Confidence is something that impacts every single domain, individual, gender person that I've worked with. And so I actually think of confidence in a slightly different way. Um, so I want to offer that to the group. And I also want to kind of prime everybody to think about the rest of the, the day and in a very specific way so that they can gain the most out of their time at the conference. Fantastic. Fantastic. Okay. Before I let you go, I have a question. I ask all my guests. It's the same question. What do you do when your batteries are drained? What habit, hobby, or ritual do you have to help you get back on track creatively? Mm. Oh, I love this question. Um, one, I go back to my foundation, which is family time, sleep, and fuel. Um, I recognize that a lot of my mental struggles uh, are an extension of my physical ones or my physical deficiencies. So if I am moving, number one, that helps me when I'm drinking lots of water and eating properly. So my fuel, that's another thing. Um, And proper sleep, I guess you can add to that. 
and then spending time with my family. Like those are the three things that if I can go back to those three things, it really helps me reset. Fantastic. Lauren Johnson, thank you so much for your time. I know people can reach out and they can find you at laurenjohnsonandco.com. Um, you're all over social, of course, tons of followers. Follow her there. I love, by the way, on your Instagram, I love that you have a little um, Lauren's library with all of like just these really cool professional development books that, um, that people can check out. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. Thank you so much. We appreciate your time and we look forward to seeing you at the Her Conference. Thank you. I can't wait. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Lauren Johnson. She'll be in the Sacramento region for the HER Conference in Folsom. It's on October 5th and tickets are still available. You can check out FolsomWomensConference.com or if you go to my Instagram bio, I'll link you right to the ticket website. You can find more information on Lauren on her website, LaurenJohnsonAndCo.com. She also shared a download with me that I'll share with you. It's called 57 Powerful Questions, and she says she uses these questions to assess her clients. So you can do a bit of self-assessment with her professional touch. You can find those in the notes of this podcast or on my Instagram bio link. Thanks so much for connecting here on The Power Profile. Talk to you soon. This has been The Power Profile with Christina Mendonca. Stay connected through mendonzamedia.com.